Welcome to the Simply Authentic Podcast with Angie and Tanya, where we hope to inspire you to dream big and push past your fear, empower you to take charge of your own life, and challenge you to be the most authentic self you can be. Hi guys, welcome back to the Simply Authentic Podcast. I'm Tanya Murfin. And I'm Angie Mullings. In this episode, we'll be sharing stories of adversity, resilience, and overcoming. Since we're realtors, our stories are going to center around challenging markets. Some think that we're currently in a recession, and recession or not, not the market has definitely changed. It has. And whether you believe we're in a recession or not, it won't be the last one we talk about, certainly. We've got so much to share on this topic, Angie. We need to do it in two parts. So this first episode, you're going to tell your story mm-hmm. that you have to share. And then we will have a second episode that will have my story. And we will ask Jack Langley with Gershman Mortgage to join us. And he will tell his story as well. Yeah. So... Your story begins with you buying a brokerage. Yes, and I'm, I'm actually going to take you back to the beginning of 2007 because okay. we had an epic ice storm in January of that year. And the reason I want to take you back that far is that it did affect our market. Having that major ice storm, there were people without power for mm-hmm. two weeks in yeah. some instances. And so it really took a toll on our market. You couldn't really show houses right. with no, no electricity and, and making it very dangerous. It was slick, obviously. It was ice. And so just getting out and looking at homes was not even possible really during that time. And even after two weeks, after the lights came back on, if you will, it still, the market was sluggish to take off just because people were sort of digging their way out. So I say that because it, it did start out being pretty slow that year and not something that I had anticipated. So it affected what happened to me later that year. Okay. So in the summer of 2007, my broker came to me and asked me or actually told me that he was ready to retire. Okay. Now, I knew this was coming for some time because we talked about it. I'd been groomed to take over the business, so I knew it was coming at some point. And his wife had died two years earlier, so I knew it was probably coming sooner than later, okay. but I really didn't know when. And so when he approached me in the summer of 2007, I obviously said yes, because that's that was my intention the entire time. Mm-hmm. The problem was is that the nest egg I'd built up was a little bit depleted because of the slowness of that early market in the year. In so, your own business. In, in my own, own business, real in my business. Own, as a okay. realtor. Okay. So I, you know, worked very diligently to try to build that back up between then and the time that I actually bought the business. So I closed on the business in November 7th or no, on November 7th in 2007. Okay. And one of the great things that happened at that point was all the agents stayed, which is wonderful because a lot of times when you have a takeover, a, a, a buyout, the agents get nervous sure. and they don't know what's coming. And so they move on to what they consider greener pastures, but that didn't happen. I think everybody understood that what was going to happen, they knew 
sort of my leadership at that point because they'd been working with me for years. So it didn't create um, a big ripple effect. It really went pretty smoothly. Good. Good. However, the one thing that did happen slightly after I bought the office was my top producers were a mother and daughter team and the daughter was on a cruise in the Caribbean and suffered an aneurysm. Oh my. So it was obviously emotionally toll, uh, had an emotional toll on her mother, obviously, but really on the rest of us, because when you have a small office, it's really more like family. Yes. So we were all worried about Tammy. And obviously, her mother was making trips down to Houston, because they flew her to Houston um, for some recovery. And um, it was touch and go there for a while. It was very scary. It was scary for all of us and trying to stay in touch with her to check, um, you know, how what Tammy's progress was like. And at the same time, trying to help her manage her business, sure. because again, she was top producer, but it, it really did get us off to a rocky start because all of that was going yeah. on. Now, I am happy to report that Tammy made a full recovery, and we're very grateful for that. But Good. again, it was just it just made things rocky in the beginning. So as I've mentioned on a previous podcast, my old broker used to say the train is coming. Yeah, and I you saying that. yeah, so it. I, I really didn't know. Again, I was young and naive, and I didn't know how to take that. And there was no way to really be prepared for the market tanking. I don't even saying that the, there was some premonition about some things that yeah. were going to happen. Nobody knew how bad or how no deep that idea. was going to go. No, and even so, as you know, trying to plan, I was trying to plan as an agent, not as a business owner. Right. So it was completely different. And I felt a little underwater, because I I really didn't know, again, how bad or how deep that was going to go. So it really, you know, it, it took sort of the wind out of my sails, because coming on as a new broker, of course, I'd watched what he had done for years. But I had my own ideas, my own ideas about marketing and and some team building that I wanted to do and, and really take it to a whole new level. But, you know, in in at the time, in the beginning, that's how I started out. So 2007, November 2007, we just got off to, it was a rocky start, but then we kind of gained some ground and we did some training and we we really got going. And then it didn't get any better because we, oh, we, we, we're used to market trending, trend, market trends. Sometimes we trend down, sometimes we're on the sure. upswing. And having been in the business for so long, I was used to that. And I thought, any day now, we're going to come out of this. The, I the think we all did. Yeah. 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 I think that was just our general approach to things is that it was going to rebound. Yeah. And we'd, we'd lived through so many different market dips that, and then when the bounce back didn't happen, it really, again, derailed me once again, because mm-hmm. it, it didn't come back like I thought it would. We, we expected a slower than normal first quarter because it's always slow but mm-hmm. then it just didn't it didn't get any better right so in 2008 that train you know really crashed it, it yeah, came to it fruition did. that um, we weren't going to recover very soon and you know soon as relevant I still thought we'll ride it out this year we'll still mm-hmm. be okay and that didn't happen either it, it really you know it just grew, grew deeper and my 
confidence started to wane because mm-hmm. I really I had a plan and my plan was busted all to pieces. Yeah, it was blown up. Yeah. It really was. So really 2009, 2010 were the worst for me. You know, at that point, my nest egg was depleted. Um, and I was really at an all time low, still trying to maintain, um, you know, my level of energy and, and my enthusiasm, all the while wondering when in the hell is this going to end? Right. You know, it just, it really was taking a toll. And one of the big mistakes I made during that time was, you know, at that time, newspaper was king. We sure everybody wanted to see their house on the front page of the newspaper. And you weren't doing your job if you didn't advertise their home. And that was just the expectation. It at was. That time. That's what I was going to say. It was yeah. expected out of our sellers that their house would be in the newsletter yeah. or in the homes magazine. Yes. Yeah. So of tons of print. And what yeah. most people might not realize is that in order to get that advertising, you had to sign a year's contract. And it was expensive, yeah. especially to a brand new business who was struggling right off the bat. And but I really didn't see a way mm-hmm. any other way. In retrospect, what I learned was that, because shortly after that, really the internet took off. Right. And, yeah. and it was shortly after that, because again, everybody had been advertising in the Homes Magazine. Everybody had been doing print. And then all of a sudden, no one had any money to do that. Right. So I really think that added to the internet becoming as big as it was for us in terms of advertising right. because we we needed to look for other resources because we didn't have the extra money to spend on big no, contracts. No. And there was really no there was no way around that. If you wanted to do newspaper, you had to sign a contract. If you wanted to do the homes magazine, you had to sign a contract. So there weren't alternatives. Mm-hmm. So then you have to look for alternatives weren't th- that weren't print. Right. And that's where the internet really, I feel like, took off. So what, again, back to what I learned during that was that I had to reframe that message. I had to teach my agents to go out and talk to their clients and have a way to overcome that objection. Sure. Or do you do newspaper advertising? Well, no, we don't, but here is why. Right. So I did sign that first contract in the beginning, and I really feel like, I mean, that just that just really blew any budget I, I ever had because right. it was, and I felt like I didn't have a choice. In retrospect, I did have a choice. I should have figured out sooner than later that yeah. we had to reframe that message and get them to understand what we could do for them besides doing something in print because yeah. it just wasn't um, it wasn't going to be a viable solution moving forward it wasn't going to be viable for for a small business to sign these big contracts so right. I did learn that right off the bat well and change is hard in this industry so you changing something that had seemingly always worked for mm-hmm. the broker owner who you bought the business from right it, even though times had changed as far as the market, you know, being busy and, and that mm-hmm. in, in itself, you're thinking, okay, this is what you do. This is business 101. You keep, you keep paying the bills. You keep doing what has always been done. Right. right. And that, that's obviously not always the answer. And especially, we, I think we all learned a lot from that time period that yeah. you, you do have to shift 
yeah. perspectives. Yeah. And it was a hard lesson to learn, but yeah. one that has served me well moving forward because once you learn that lesson, obviously you hope that you learn something from from the mistakes that you make. And, and I certainly did learn a big lesson there. And then I have to be more proactive. I have to look for the changes before they happen and adjust what we're doing. Sure. So, so during that time, I you know, mindset is such a powerful thing. And I never thought that failure was an option because there were, there were people counting on me. Yes. I have confidence in myself. I knew that I could go out and do something else if, if the business failed, but that really wasn't an option. That's not where my mind was. My mind was, we're going to figure out a way to come out of this. We're going to do everything we can, penny pinch and not spend a dime and, and look for other alternatives that are free or something that will help us be successful and come out of this and see, you know, and, and then be move forward. And I, every day I, I put on my pretty shoes and I walked in the office, even though I wasn't feeling it, I put on my pretty shoes and I walked into the office with a smile and, and a, purposeful walk and I went to my office and I went about the things and the things that I that I did on a day-to-day basis I maintained a routine which I really think helped my mindset but the Mm -hmm. other thing I did was I really reached out to daily and this was as much for me as it was for them but I reached out daily to my agents to to check in with them to see what they needed did they need any help how was it going with this particular listing I knew they'd been working on and if they told me, hey, we just got a contract, that was that was like music to my ears. It right. made me so hopeful. And I needed that. I needed something to cling to every day that would yeah. give me some margin of hope that we would be able to pay the bills that month. Yeah. Um, because it was it was really it I didn't know. I didn't know if we were gonna be able to pay the bills. But Take that one step further. You know, everybody was suffering during that mm-hmm. time. It wasn't just realtors and and struggling to figure out how to pay the bills. It was our clients. Mm-hmm. And we had to go out and meet with these clients and hear their stories and understand and ask the questions that we'd never been forced to ask before. Mm-hmm. How much do you owe on this house? And and how far behind are you if they told us they were behind and asked the question if mm-hmm. they were behind because they don't they weren't very forthcoming. We'd never had to ask those questions before. No, typically we stay out of that lane, right? Yeah. That is yeah. the lender's job. And although those questions do come up occasionally and we do need to know what their payoff is, the conversations started in a harsh way sometimes with, are you current on your payments? Mm-hmm. You know, are we were counseling our clients completely differently and having those hard conversations out of the gate. Because if you did your listing presentation and then in the last 10 minutes when you're talking about wrapping it up and then they drop the bomb of, Mm -hmm. oh, and by the way, I haven't made a payment in five months and I have a foreclosure notice on my door. Right. You've got to back up and stop right there. So the, the average realtor was starting to learn a whole lot about how to have those tough conversations, mm-hmm. and also short sales. So yes, short sales were perceived as better than going through a full, right. full foreclosure. 
But yeah, we had to ask those questions and we had to hope that they were being honest with us because it's our job to help them. And if they're not honest with us, and and obviously pride got in the way, but For it was sure. happening to so many people. It happened to people in our own industry. Yeah. Between 2009, or I'm sorry, 2008 and 2010, we lost half of our members for the Greater yeah. Springfield Board of Realtors. We went from like 2,300 realtors down to around 1,200. And so people were getting out of the business. Some of them lost their homes. Yeah. It was it wasn't defined by one social socioeconomic agree yeah area it was it was rampant because what was going on in the mortgage industry prior to that really led to all of that and stated income loans and mm-hmm. that kind of thing got people in over their heads so it was happening everywhere so while i understand the pride piece of that it really was imperative that our clients were honest with us and we had to ask the right questions to make sure that they were being honest and let them know it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And that maybe we can help. Right. There are things that we can do to help. And many times in those days, we would get their permission and get on the phone with their lender Mm -hmm. and start the process of talking about, okay, how how short are they? How many payments have they not made? Will your bank consider a short sale? And so, yeah, yeah we, we started uh, wearing a different hat. We certainly did. As realtors. And I remember there being people who would not be honest in those appointments. You would have the listing live. You would be lucky enough to get it under contract. A couple of weeks down the road, mm-hmm. you get title work done and they're upside down. Right. They were too embarrassed to tell us the truth. Right. And that was the only way for us to know is for the title work to be ran. And I remember getting emails on occasion from the closing department saying, did you know that they owe more than the the sales price of the house. Right. So right. that that's hard for everybody. It was. And so there was a lot of despair out there. It wasn't yeah. just, you know, I'm telling the story as as a broker and what happened to me, but just know that in addition to that, it was dealing with my agents. Obviously, right. they needed to make an income. So it wasn't just about the business moving forward and being coming through this, but it was each agent trying to keep them on track and keep them focused and and have some level of of hope that we were going to come right. out of this. Yes. And and then they would go out and talk to their customers and and trying to help them. So it was it was a lot. It was just a very, very heavy time. Yeah. In addition to that was really the loneliness for me. I Coming through Century 21, prior to me taking over, there had been this council of brokers for Southwest Missouri. And I remember my old broker going, and it was, he would come back and he'd he'd have a a jolt of energy about him because he got to commiserate with other brokers. Not just commiserate, they they planned, you know, functions together. We did things as a group. They did some advertising together that they could bond together, pull their resources. So, and, and they, they bounced ideas off of each other. Well, in 2008, that disbanded. So I didn't even have that, um, as a, as a resource for me. And obviously, Century 21 as a franchise was cutting back on their paid positions. So I didn't have somebody I could, I could really lean on as Mm. much. 
And in addition to that, the Board of Realtors was not at all what it is today. Right. It wasn't a place where I felt comfortable, you know, still up until 2008, 2009, now owning the brokerage, I still didn't feel like it was a place I could go and build relationships with my peers and develop those relationships so that I could lean on them if I had questions. So I really, brand new broker, all this is going on. And the loneliness was something that I just hadn't planned on and had no way to, Mm -hmm. to understand what was happening there. So, you know, again, um, but I felt like it is my, it was my duty to get up, put on a smile every day and come in and, and, and again, try to energize and, and bring everybody some hope that, that everything was going to be okay. All the while, I was struggling a lot. And I hope that they never knew that I was struggling mm-hmm. emotionally, financially, obviously. But I was getting lots and lots of calls from from creditors at that time. And I would I wouldn't take their calls while I was in the office. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to sit and and let people overhear my conversations. Even if I closed the door, people could still overhear my sure. conversations. And I just didn't want to do that. I would just hang up on them or whatever. I wouldn't take their call while I was in the office. And then I would walk out to my car at lunch. I always left the office at lunch and I would... A lot of times I didn't have money for lunch. Um, so I would bring my lunch or bring a snack or something and sit in my car and I would call those creditors back and I would try to explain to them how I was going to try to make that payment and didn't really know. I didn't want to lie to anybody. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't try to fabricate anything. But the but the truth of the matter was I really didn't know. because mm-hmm. we you know, in this business, if you don't close a deal, you don't get paid. Right. And like you mentioned earlier, if somebody wasn't honest with you about their their where they were in their mortgage and being behind, we might get up to two weeks before closing and that deal would fall through because they weren't honest with exactly. us. And we didn't, we didn't understand that. So how could I promise someone a payment when I didn't even really know if we were going to get paid? Right. So... I would sit in my car and make those phone calls and it was gut wrenching. I would cry. I, whatever I had to do, but then I drive back into the parking lot and put on my makeup again. And I'd walk back in and go to my office just like every other day, like Mm -hmm. it was just any other day and, and that everything was okay. But, you know, at the same time I was scrounging through my gold jewelry and I was, I I didn't even know where to find a pawn shop before this. And I was digging through gold jewelry and finding anything that I could pawn just to, you know, pay a little bill here and there. Mm. And um, it was it was just a, a really low, low time. And I remember one specific day, I decided I scrounged around in my car, found some change, just wanted a nice tea and a burger. And I went to Sonic and I was sobbing. I was sitting in in my little stall at Sonic and I was sobbing and my server came out to me, brought my food and she just looked at me and she said, honey, it's going to be okay. And it was one of the nicest things anybody could have said to me that particular day, because I, I was at a low, low point and 
I'm supposed to be this successful broker and the expectations are high and I obviously have a lot riding on my shoulders and it was just a point that I was at the low, low and someone made me smile. And so it was really um, just something that I remember that really touched me that she would say that because I knew that I knew I was going to be okay. But you can still have the lowest of low days. Yes. Right. Yeah. So did you feel like maybe that day was a turning point for you in any way? Or was it just a bright moment in a really cloudy sky? It was just a bright moment. I don't remember at what point that happened. Like if it was year three or four, because honestly, it was 2008 to 2012 before we really started sure. to see yeah. any light at the end of the tunnel. It was. So it could have been any point in that that yeah. time period. Um, but it was, um, yeah, it was just a bright spot. Yeah. So, you know, I think I've, I've kind of covered the story and, and told everybody kind of how bad it got. But I really want to leave our listeners with some positivity. Agree. So... My first question is, hearing your your story in the beginning of it, the listener and me sitting here with you might think that it lasted a year or two, but you clarifying that just a minute ago, that this lasted for four to five years. Yes. So business owners in that period of time, not just real estate, but in other yeah. businesses as well, were going through days and months and years of adversity. So Angie, when you started to come out of it, and you started to see the light at the end of the tunnel, what were the the things that you took from it? What were the biggest lessons for you? Personally, because there were a lot of personal struggles in there, it sounds like you struggled alone a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So and from a business perspective, for those people out there who maybe they're in hard times right now in their own business, what did you learn? And what were the things you took from it that will make you better in the future? I think number one is people come first. It's all about taking good care of your people, Mm -hmm. whether that be staff, your team, your family, your clients, anyone that surrounds you, you want to take good care of them. You know, it's our responsibility to train our agents to be successful. We want to we want to make sure that they have the right training, the right support, the right education. So I think first and foremost, I learned that people are number one, Mm -hmm. you've got to take care of the people around you. I also think it's really important to find your people, communicate, tell somebody what's going on with you. Because, you know, again, I was I was at a low point and I really didn't have anybody who understood what I was going through. Sure, I had friends, but they weren't in the same, they weren't, they weren't dealing with, with supporting a business and and all of that. So find those people, find your tribe, your people that you can talk to. I also think keeping a positive mindset, you know, one thing that, that really brought me through that was prayer. I, Mm -hmm. I have great faith in divinity and faith in myself. And, and I prayed a lot. And it really did help me. I think anything that you can find that 
gives you some sort of peace, whether that be meditation or yoga or exercise. Exercise is another thing that I did every single day. Again, trying to maintain a positive mindset. Prayer and exercise were my two big go-tos. And then finally, I think making sure that you keep things in perspective there's always going to be tough times and eventually those tough times end. And I believe that character is built by adversity. So Mm -hmm. you must, you know, it's important that we all struggle occasionally. I think it's important to be better leaders, better people, better community minded people to, to have those struggles. If we didn't, we wouldn't, we wouldn't understand how great the good is, right? Or Absolutely. How, so yeah. I, I really think those those four things were my biggest takeaways. And then really just understanding how much persevering through that really gave me a sense of pride that we could come out because we did. We, you know, the the end of the story is we not only made it through, but we were we were knocking it out of the park. We were really doing good. And uh, we didn't just survive. We we really learned to thrive mm-hmm. having come, in, come out of that. And there were lots of takeaways. But, but I feel like my faith in myself, my ability to persevere really stood out to me that whatever happens now just, just is another thing. You know, mm-hmm. if we're in a recession now, it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And and we will go through one. We will. I think that strength is developed through adversity. I agree with you with what you said. Mm -hmm. And I think probably, Angie, you have so much more to offer, not only yourself, because you survived it through Mm -hmm. prayer and grace that was Mm -hmm. given to you, but your agents and your friends and the people that you know now that maybe are in a business and and they they mention that they're struggling to you you can share your experience right. and you learn from that so i think that many times our adversities are to teach us strength but then we need to pass that on to someone else that's right. our job Absolutely. here on earth is right. to encourage and lift others because we've had something happen to us that now we've turned the corner and we've mm-hmm. come out on the other side. Right. And that's the whole point of our podcast. And and we hope that you have some takeaways today because that's really, again, I absolutely agree that if you go su- through something, don't be afraid to share it because someone else could learn the lesson as well. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap this episode up. I appreciate you sharing your story. Yeah. And I'll look forward to yours. Thank you. Part two. Part two, we'll share my story and have a visit with Jack Langley from Gershman. See you next time. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Simply Authentic Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Be sure to listen to us on your favorite podcasting app.